Howdy, Star Wars comic book lovers, and welcome to a new issue of the Star Wars Spinner Rack, a podcast all about those comics from a galaxy far, far away. Thanks so much for joining us back here once again. Now we're coming at you a couple weeks later than we normally do, but this is a really extremely busy time as convention season's just beginning, and we, like a lot of other of you out there, are planning trips and parties and... Uh, the fun part is also creating swag for upcoming conventions and shows. Lots of fun times ahead. But enough about that. I'm your host, Jake Stevens, and you are listening to issue number five of the Star Wars Spinner Rack, where we're going to be looking at Marvel's second month in the return to publishing Star Wars comics, which would be February 2015. Now, before we go any farther, we just want to make sure up front you know that there is a spoiler policy. Well, actually, there isn't a policy. We're spoiling everything. We'll be discussing and thus spoiling many of the plot points and reveals of last month's recent comic book releases. So if you haven't read those books yet, you might want to push pause and head to the comic book store or download them or whatever you prefer before joining us for the rest of the show. Joining me in tonight's discussion... As he has this whole time. He's the Galaxy of Toys podcast. I like to call him the MC of GOT. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing well. Jason, now are you uh you have some uh tricks up your sleeve for all these conventions and uh, any promotions or anything like that? Still working on that. <laughs> we got time. We got time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not you know, I'm just not a I'm not good at promoting things. <laughs> I've realized this, but I'm working. I got a couple of things. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Um, someone that is good at promoting things is our friend, our uh, local Ewok builder, father of Vardek. <laughs> Welcome, Ryan. How are you? Hi. How's it going? Glad to be back here. Good, good, good. I know you've been super busy in all sorts of capacities getting ready for uh, Emerald City Comic Con here in Seattle, and of course next month's celebration. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. Um, I've got uh, a panel at both Celebration and Emerald City, uh, and that panel here at Emerald City will be with you as well, Jake and Chris from Galaxy Toys and Gus Lopez as well. Awesome. And then um, I finally had just announced my panel uh, as they were recording uh, for Celebration. I've known about it for some time, but. Finally makes it official, uh, and then there's like a couple other things that are going on. One has not been announced, but should be here soon, and something else that nobody's going to know anything about until the archive party. I'll just put it that way. Very cool. Very. You could tell us. Uh, no. <laughs> Nobody I, listen. Nobody's I, listening. I am under the strictest of confidentiality on this one. So. Oh. He's he's Ryan. got one of those Disney. NDAs. <laughs> it's got the same one Hasbro has, apparently. No Be- word. Believe me, when you guys see what this is, you'll probably understand the secrecy, and you'll probably think it's very awesome. So, Okay. Um, yeah. I'm sure I want one already, even though I don't know what it is. You'll want more than one. Darn you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. So much fun. But we're just beginning. It's convention season. Of course, like I said, Seattle's kind of the one, I think, that's kicking it off now that we're uh, third in the nation for being conventions, um, then followed by Celebration. Then we'll take a little break until San Diego. And then I think New- I don't think San Diego will be the big one for Star Wars. I'm thinking more New York Comic Con 
this year will get quite because that'll just be just a couple months before the movie. So that might be their big push this year. But I don't know. I'm I'm getting really bad at predicting because <laughs> I'm judging off the way Star Wars used to be handled. And now we know it's got different handlers. So my knowledge is becoming <laughs> worthless. <laughs> All right, so before we begin, um, take a look at last month's books. We want to just break down a little news. There hasn't been a lot of news out there. Um, still, we know going forward, we're expecting uh, some Legends omnibuses coming forward. We know that um, we're still going to be getting uh, Princess Leia, you know, which is dropped technically this month, but also Kanan. Uh, we'll cover Princess Leia in our next show, but then Kanan's the upcoming next upcoming book. But the thing that they did announce for future Star Wars comic books would be Journey to the Force Awakens. Now, this was announced as the time of this recording last week, and this is a campaign that will include various forms of publishing, uh, including comic books that tell the story of what's transpired in the 30 years between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. So we're going to get a lot of um, canonized stories here. We're going to finally find out what our heroes have been up to. Um, and so this will be an exciting thing. This will be, uh, I think, two comics are announced for that, and uh, including, I think, A Force uh, Awakens adaption so two different comic book series i believe just, uh, I, just, I think okay. that's what i heard i think they're, you're getting go ahead they're not going to explain 30 years in two comics like two issues right? no. no i think <laughs> this will be it's meant to all be a lead up into so i would assume i'm going to assume here it's going to be kind of like lego is doing with their new animated television shows they're they got a bunch of five animated shows that are coming out at the end of this year that's going to retell the trilogy uh, through the droids' eyes. So it's called Lego Star Wars Droids Tales, and they're going to kind of retell the Lego version of the saga so far. I'm assuming this series will kind of do that, but not tell the saga, but tell what happened in those 30 years. That's my guess, but... We don't know too much. I'm hoping maybe we'll learn some more this weekend because Emerald City Comic Con will be having a Marvel panel where they did mention discussing upcoming Star Wars Marvel books. So we could have some more uh, in the near future. That is about it for major news of anything new coming down the road. Uh, again, that's not too much. It's just kind of a brief uh, little overview that StarWars.com presented uh, earlier this week or last week. Um, so let's go ahead and take a look at the comics that were on shelves, on spinner racks, I should say, in February. Uh, we're going to be breaking down each of these comic books. Of course, you guys, gentlemen on the call here, you know that we'll be using the Death Star rating system. And for those who are joining us for the first time, we use a Death Star system and where one Death Star is the equivalent of the Death Star plans. As in, they kind of need to go back and replan this series, you know, it's rebuild this not working out for us. Two Death Stars would mean that this is an unfinished Death Star. Think of Return of the Jedi. You know, it, it's got some good parts, which would be it's like it's protective forest moon energy field, but the bulk of the story is just not complete enough for us. Okay, but not great. And then three Death Stars would be a complete and fully functional and operational Death Star and story. So that's our favorite. 
On a scale of one to three, we're going to start with Star Wars number two, which was on racks on February 4th. And Marvel's solicitation for this book is, The Greatest Space Adventure of All Time Continues. The Rebel Assault on Psy Moon 1 continues. Luke Skywalker, cornered by Darth Vader. Han, Leia, and the others trapped. And this is, of course, written by writer Jason Aaron and artist John Cassidy. Now, this title had only a half dozen variants, unlike <laughs> its predecessor, which had over, what was the end number? About 125, I think, <laughs> somewhere around there. They keep yeah, making new like ones. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, uh, Star Wars number one, believe it or not, sold over a million copies, and his then sold out a second printing and a third, and I believe we're going to a fourth printing. So this book is a beast and we all enjoyed it last month so the question i'll be posing to you at the end of our discussion is did this keep the momentum from number one but before we get there variant covers jason did you by chance pick up any variant covers there's only a couple for this star wars number two i didn't and um i'm not supporting variant covers to be honest with you i uh i especially especially the uh, comics bookstores around me where they're marking them up quite a bit from the standard variation. I, I just don't support that practice. Um, I'm okay with the variant covers. If they cost the same, that's fine. Pick up the one you like, or maybe both, but, uh, I'm not paying extra f for a second one. So, uh, I'm not, I'm trying to not encourage this. So I'm only buying the uh, standard version. Uh, do you view it as <laughs> scalping? Is it the same kind of genre? Nah, I don't know. You know, um, I th I kind of feel like 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 the comic book shops around Seattle are scalping because they're um, marking the variations up quite a bit, double, triple the amount of the the cover price. I mean, but I know it's uh you know supply and demand so i guess if they can get that much for them then i that's their prerogative and i don't think it should be illegal or anything i'm just not going to support it sure and i know unless lobot's on the variant cover <laughs> then i would get it or seal bibble then you'll drop some serious cash yeah uh, then i'll be a hypocrite and <laughs> well go for it it's not being a hypocrite. That's your collector <laughs> focus, but I don't know why anyone has a seal bibble collector focus. Um, I think that the only thing that I – I guess I wouldn't mind that the variant covers cost it a higher price as long as it was there was some standard to it because – uh, I know, Ryan, you've been finding variant covers like on the first day, correct me if I'm wrong, for about cover price or not much, just a dollar or two more. Whereas at the shops I've been going to, the cover prices for the exact same cover and the uh, are sometimes, you know, for a $4 book, it's a $12 price tag. So I guess if there was some more standardization, like if we knew, like if the comic cover variant was one to eight, then that brings this price tag. But if it's one to 85, then it's this price tag. But since you're kind of just, you know, you're rolling the dice depending on who your comic vendor is, it's, you know, it makes it sometimes a little frustrating. 
Yeah. I I think another another reason I don't like the variant covers is that when you think of like the original Marvel run of Star Wars and you think of like issue number one, that cover is iconic. True. But with so many different covers, are any of the, do any of the covers become iconic? Because there's so many, you can't you can't look at a comic and say, "Oh yeah, that is issue I remember it well." You'd be like, "Whoa, which one was that?" There's so many, I don't even know. That is so. true. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, you know, it also takes me back to like Phantom Menace, like when they had their uh, series adaptation come out. They had two covers, and they were both equal and they were actually they were both distributed different places but it was you can either get the artistic the drawn cover or the photo cover and typically the photo covers were in grocery stores because research finds that people like photo covers in grocery stores and shopping markets more than they do art so yeah i forgot about that but yeah yeah so it'd be interesting that'd be you know I wonder what they would do for photorealistic. I, mean, I guess they could. There's no reason they couldn't. They've had one photorealistic, but it was of toys, but that was last month or the month before. Ryan, did you end up picking up any comic covers, variants? Uh, yeah, you know, since last time I know we talked, I said I wouldn't buy any, and um, yeah, I've got a few now. I got into the uh, – there was the uh, – on Star Wars 1, there was the, the one with the six-inch Black Series action figures on it. I ended up finding that for a really good price, so I bought it. And then somebody gave me their Loot Crate one, and then I got into the action figure ones because I found the Vader one for really cheap. Um, and then I, I went back. I wanted to get the Luke, and I happened to go into a comic shop, and, and I hate that I did this. They had the Luke, who was number one, and then the Han, which was number two, for 15 each. And I went ahead and bought them. And, of course, the next store I went to had uh, – I don't think he had the Luke, but he had the Han for 4 bucks. Um, so right there yep so immediately i've been going to that same store every time there's a variant cover now and picking up the action figure variant covers and uh he raised the price the last one i know we'll talk about this next time but uh the obi-wan cover was a little bit more but still far cheaper than most of the other places so i've been keeping the action figure covers going yep and i'm right there with you that would be john tyler christopher's the artist that's uh pumping out the action figure versions, and uh, for Star Wars number two, we got one, and it was of Han Solo in his vintage-esque tribute to Kenner's action figure line. And what I really do like about the cover, though, is that they did give Han his bent arm. You know how the vintage Han Solo from A New Hope has his uh, bent arm that he depicted that because these aren't necessarily exact replicas of the action figures. It's more of the essence. So I like that he kept that with him. So jumping into star Wars number two, it picks up right at the point where we left off with number one. And that was Vader and Luke were confronting each other. Now, Jason, I'll throw this first one at you. True or false. In this whole opening confrontation, Luke should be dead. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, I, uh, I, I'm not a fan of this idea that Luke faces Vader this early. I really like to hold on to the idea that he never faced him until Empire Strikes Back. 
Um, I know they're saying, you know, I know these these comics are considered canon by the story group, but um, this kind of knocks it out of my uh, what I consider to be the tr- my true continuity that I'm going to follow. Um, I just uh, I can't see it. <laughs> I I I feel exactly how you feel, Ryan. What do you think? You know, I get where you're coming from, and I was as soon as they had this whole thing with Luke facing off of Vader, I was like, what? this doesn't seem quite right. And granted, I mean, it's not much of a face-off. We can all at least admit that, right? I mean, Vader disarms him really quick, and if it's not for the AT-AT, um, he probably would have been killed right there. Um, it's kind of a back-and-forth. Luke is pretty much running most of the time, which is the only thing that kind of kept me in the believability area. Otherwise, yeah, it seems that Luke should have been killed right away. And I hope, 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 hope that this is one of the only very few times this happens, if not if it happens at all anymore, to where Vader faces Luke. I always like the idea that he really faces Luke for the first time in Empire. But uh, I guess if we go back to Shadow, uh, back to the old continuity stuff, uh, he did face Vader in Splinter of the Mind's Eye as well there and cut off his arm. So, I, you know, take it <laughs> as you will. Yeah, true. True. I mean, do do I think that Luke would be emotional and want to take on Vader? Yes. Do I like that the writer or the story group have put him in that situation? No, I'm right there with you. I feel potentially that with him facing Vader, with Han and Leia coming down through an AT-AT, and then just the massive amounts of stormtrooper fire that that Luke is just invulnerable at this point because all three of those things he was in he, if he was not Luke Skywalker he would have been dead meat so we're either building up he's got that natural force he's you know going to help that he is the chosen or the new hope and he just is going to avoid all this or a little too superhero for me or superhero human yeah now Ryan, I'll go with you. Do these interactions, like we've seen AT-ATs now and Vader facing Luke, does this is this lessening Empire Strikes Back, the power of that film? I, I'm going to say not so far, because like I said, this was pretty much a no contest in here. If not for the AT-AT, uh, Luke would have been dead anyway. And, you know, I'll give Luke some credit here. Uh, as we know, stormtroopers can't hit the broadside of a barn anyway. Um and pretty much what happens later on when we see Vader against the AT-AT uh, really shows Vader's power as well. But uh, I don't think it lessens the confrontation there because at that point, Vader knows who Luke is. Here in the comic right now, he does not. Uh, Luke has actually done some Jedi training. Uh, I think that makes a difference. So uh, this chance encounter, if you will, um, doesn't make much of a difference. Vader has no clue that who the Luke is. A, his son, or the person who destroyed the Death Star right now. Although, we obviously see him, he gets Luke's lightsaber briefly and recognizes it as his own old one, uh, which was kind of cool. I did like that point, but uh, I, I'm not going to say it lessened Empire, but um, I just hope this doesn't keep happening. I'm, I agree. I'm right there with you. Uh, you see, during this confrontation in the battle here on Moon. You see Han and Leia have some really, what I thought was some spectacular banter. I think if there's one thing Aaron 
is doing right on this book. It, it is the back and forth between Han and Leia. It brought me right back to the films, especially like running around the Death Star. I felt that their conversations uh, were very appropriate, were very... Um, he was the rogue smuggler, she was the spoiled princess, and they were just nipping at each other. I think they knocked it out of the park on this one. During this time, you see uh, 3PO trying to fend off these very odd-looking aliens uh, who are scavenging apart the Falcon. I can't really explain what these aliens look like other than they're nothing but tentacles. The 3PO, of course, follows the uh, pretty popular trope uh, for 3PO of getting blasted apart to pieces. We're pretty much uh, having this happen all the time. Um, And then Luke, at this point in the battle, just sees a bank of speeder bikes and jumps on speeder bike. Now are we taking, are we lessening this now Return of the Jedi? Or does Return of the Jedi make more sense because he's been on a speeder bike? Or is Return of the Jedi just, oh, that again, because we've seen him here? From a canon point of view, Jason, did what did you think about Luke being all skilled and uh, riding a speeder bike around town? It didn't bother me because I think um, I think in 96, when Shadows of the Empire came out, he also rode a speeder bike and that bothered me at first. I thought, what? Um, So but I've had almost 20 years to get over that. (laughs) And now I think, well, it's just a common vehicle. It's just like jumping on a bike. You know, I could jump on a bike, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And it wouldn't be a big deal. So I guess speeder bikes are just like a regular old bike. You know, he did grow up on Tatooine, and I imagine his friends probably had speeder bikes if he didn't himself. So I'm okay with that. Well, wasn't it Owen Lars's? Uh, wasn't his uncle's bike that Anakin right. rips around yeah. on Tatooine? So maybe that thing's been sitting in the garage for yeah. a while. Yeah, I can go with that. Yeah, I can go with it. But going back to your Shadows of the Empire, I don't know what it is, but there's something about stories that take place around Empire or just after that I am way more comfortable with, uh, with Luke being a Jedi or being more skilled or being a full-fledged rebel or a budding Jedi. I accept it around Empire, but it's hard for me to swallow since these events are coming right on the heels of the Battle of Yavin, where he is just super raw. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because he has years to train and become something more before Empire hits. So seeing him being awesome right now, it's going to take some time to get used to. I think the midi-chlorians in his blood are maturing, though. (laughs) (laughs) You better hope Tom Burgess doesn't listen to this Take that, haters. (laughs) He he is he was supposed to be a hotshot pilot on Tatooine. He did blow up the right. Death Star. I mean, he is a good pilot. Okay. I, I would think he'd have a pretty good idea, and he knows what he's doing. Okay, no, no, no. I I completely respect that. I respect that idea. Uh, we see Vader, of course, dismantle the Adat, or begin to dismantle, I should say, the Adat. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. But then they get the R2 and his little Jawa friend, who was being held as a slave prisoner here on Cymoon, um, get the cannons working and just blast uh, Vader and his surrounding to pieces. And we see Vader uh, suffer a pretty 
decent defeat here at the end of the book. As Luke spins off in his speeder bike, we see Vader uh, push his way out of the rubble, and a stormtrooper is taken aback, is a bit gasped, being seen that Vader without his helmet, and Vader quickly force snaps his neck by twisting his head backwards. Jason, what'd you think of this scene? Well, first of all, I love the panel with R2 and the Jawas working together. <laughs> I, I I think that's great. I, I really like that, that panel. We're um, mending some uh, wounds here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's that I love, I love that panel. Um, and then uh, Vader, um, I thought it was interesting uh, when the stormtrooper, saw his uh exposed head and uh and yeah he just snapped he just twisted his head around um i guess he really does not want anyone to see what he looks like under the mask so i don't know i i like i thought it worked and then Ryan, is this in character with Vader? Is he, be, you being, of course, a very big fan of the Dark Lord of Sith, is this pretty uh, in line with what we've characterized Vader and his, I don't know if you want to call it his, his vanity or his vulnerability? Is he hate seeing people seeing him with his mask off? Um, I would say so. It's hard to say. I mean, we're dealing with a whole new continuity here. Uh, when you go back to the Legends continuity, there was some stuff where he pretty much hated the way he was. He hated his suit, um, and he, he wanted to be out of it. And it sounds like they're going a lot with that in the new. I mean, the only reference we kind of have with the new continuity is to go with, I mean, old here with Empire Strikes Back, when um, uh, General Veers goes up to see him, and he's you know turned around in the meditation chamber, and we see the back of his head. Uh, but that's about it. And Vader pretty much quickly closes his meditation chamber. So I would say he doesn't want to be seen without the mask. And it, whether it's a, a fact of he hates the way he looks or he doesn't want to be seen as less imposing, uh, I, I don't know which. But clearly he doesn't like it. I'm fine with it. I mean, Vader's an angry guy. He doesn't mind killing anybody. I'm good with it. All right. And with that... Felt like a very short uh, issue for me because it was pretty much just one that one major battle on Simon here. The Adat stomps off into the distance. Vader, ta- I mean Luke, takes off on his speeder bike, and Vader regathers himself for and a couple of stormtroopers, not speeder bike uh, pilots, but uh, stormtroopers on speeder bikes, and they're going to redouble their efforts to. Vader now wanting to capture the Rebel pilot. So, Star Wars number two. Jason, what's your Death Star rating? I'm going to give it two and a half Death Stars. Um, I'd give it three if Luke and Vader hadn't uh, uh, faced off. I, I didn't like that. I just don't, I didn't want that to happen. I'm never going to watch Empire. I mean, it's not going to ruin Empire. I'm never going to be watching Empire thinking, oh, but they met before in marvel number two um for me empire will always be their first uh um face-to-face battle but uh yeah i just didn't like that that alone but uh, the rest of the comic i thought was great and if you can enjoy it just for being a comic and not get too concerned about the movie how the movie involved is involved with it then i think it's pretty entertaining all right two and a half it is ryan 
I keep wavering. I, I was thinking the same as Jason there, two and a half. Uh, but it might be even up to three. I don't know. I really enjoyed this comic. Like, I read through it. I loved it. Um, I I would say I'm I'm really enjoying it. I don't think it needs to be gone and taken care of. Um, I would have rather had the, the Luke and Vader thing to where it was kind of a, a brief glance and they see each other type of thing rather than they actually face off or that Luke sees his Vader there, but he never ignites lightsabers and goes after him. Um, I mean, I understood why he did. It made sense. He was angry about Ben and all that. But uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with, I, I guess I'll go two and a half Death Stars. All right. We're at a consensus so far. Uh, this book, I, I still getting comfortable with it. I guess it being Canon. I, for some reason, me personally, I take when something says it's canon, I hold it to another level. It's hard for me to sit back and go, oh, this is just a comic book I can flip through and read and enjoy. Well, when you say it's canon, I, I judge it with a different uh, mindset. And I have difficulty with the book um, so far. I think over time it'll probably lessen. This is just our second issue out. So, um, yeah, some of the things that we're getting already, AT-ATs and speeder bikes, and those are all just so powerful imagery from my youth of when seeing AT-ATs on Hoth and seeing speeder bikes on Endor. I just really I'm, – I'm more of a fan of different technology being used and letting those be revealed in the prospective movies. So – it's going to take some time, but for right now, I think for this uh, particular issue, I'm going to go with just two Death Stars on this one. It you know, wasn't as good and powerful as me as the first one, and uh, I still feel like it could be a little better. So middle of the road for me on Star Wars number two. Okay, that takes us to February 11th, and that brought us Darth Vader number one. This is a brand new ongoing series. And uh, we're also going to feel free, gentlemen, we're going to talk about uh, Vader one, but we're also going to talk about Vader two because it came out just a couple weeks later. Uh, a lot of people don't know this or don't realize this. I won't say don't know this, but many people may not realize, but you can actually tell what months you're going to get double issues of comic books in. Because if you look in the um, indicia, which is the small, very fine print at the front of the comic books, it says published monthly except in February, June, September, and November. So what that means is you'll be getting double issues during those months. Hmm. So that's something a lot of people don't realize that you can actually kind of predict when the release schedule will be coming for your at least your Marvel books. So in this month is a double month for Darth Vader. We're going to be talking about the story that runs through number one and number two, which came out on February 25th. Now, Marvel's solicitation for this book reads, The original Dark Lord of Sith stars in his first ongoing series. Ever since Darth Vader made his first on-screen appearance, he has become one of the most popular villains to ever haunt an audience's dreams. Now, follow Vader straight from the ending of A New Hope and the pages of the new Star Wars comic into his own series, showing the Empire's war with the Rebel Alliance from the other side. This is written by Kirion Gillian, and artist is Salvador La Roca. They bring us a peek behind the mask of evil. And I'll start out uh, right away by saying I love the 
the main covers for uh, these two issues. I think they are pretty spectacular. Um, this issue had just over 20 cover variants, and it did also include, as Ryan mentioned before, it did include Star Wars, uh, Darth Vader number one included a action figure cover variant of Darth Vader, and that was the one I picked up. Ryan, you picked up. Sounds like, Jason, you're not doing them. Um, did you guys pick up any of the other variants? Pro- Jason, I'm going to assume no. Ryan? No, just the action figure one. No, and, that, and that's that's impressive for you because <laughs> Vader's your guy, but you're sticking just to the just to the figure and the normal. Yeah, well, I enjoy Vader, but uh, you know, you go down that road of of the uh, variant covers, and it, it's a slippery slope. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go there. I buy enough other things. I, I don't need to go there. True. Very true. All right. Well. This book opens up with what I say is a what I thought was a very refreshing take on the opening crawl as it is written from the Empire's perspective and not the Alliance or the Republic or the good guys, we could say. So it ends up with a very Empire centered thing and they use lots of great terminology like uh, the peacekeeping force, the Death Star unforeseen design flaw without this deterrent the rule of law is in danger i think this is fantastic i had a good time reading this through ryan what did you think of the opening crawl switch you know i think i just read it for the first time right now <laughs> oh really you yeah you just jumped hey, right kind in, of show huh? is this <laughs> uh, you, you know you mentioned i was like did i read that and i went back and looked and i was like oh that's pretty cool. No, you're right. I kind of like it. It starts out with it's a period of insurgence. It, it works really well. It's just like a uh, uh, a regular Star Wars crawl, but like you said, totally from the Empire's perspective. I think it's cool. Now that I've read it, now I, I guess I got to read these more often. <laughs> Jason, do you have any thoughts on the crawl? Yeah. Um, you're reading it for the first time right now. Too. No, I read it. I read okay. it. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. I like that they do a crawl, but. It's not your. It's not mind blowing or anything. Not your ideal. Would you rather it be, have been from the Empire, or the Alliance side? Um, no. I, I like. I, I think it's. I think it's good. Nineteen, and then I like they spell out the how many years it's been. Nineteen. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm a. I I I have really nothing nothing insightful to say about the crawl. It works. That is just fine. What I did uh, also notice is that we're starting off with book one. So they're definitely uh, planning out a story here. So the opening crawl is preceded by Darth Vader book one. And in this first issue, which is now book one, begins uh, with Vader. He is revisiting Jabba. And I say revisiting because, again, this is a canon book. And we know that he has previously visited, not as Vader, but as Anakin in the Clone Wars. We have him barging into Jabba's palace to, uh, what was it? He thought that Jabba had Ahsoka, is that correct? Help me out here. But Ahsoka was actually fighting Dooku with Jabba's son out in the Tatooine wild. So this isn't the first time that he's uh, traveled this uh, temple path, but... He does do it in the exact way. They paint the exact picture as Luke does in Return of the Jedi. So 
Jason, does this, from a canon point of view, make the opening of Return of the Jedi more intense? <laughs> because we're seeing Vader. We've by the time you've seen Jedi, you've seen Vader make this same path. Yeah, something familiar about this. <laughs> yeah, um, I kind of like it. I like I like that it, this kind of mirrors Return of the Jedi. Um, again, it doesn't really. Um, it, I'm not going to let the comic books affect my uh, thoughts about the films too much. Um, I'm just going to try to enjoy the comic books for what they are. Um, but I, th- I think it was a good idea, uh, interesting idea to, to kind of like recreate uh, Luke's entrance, but have Vader do it. No, it was it, it's done. I will say my hat is off to LaRocca on this book. I think this book is beautiful. And I think yeah. the the um, pencils inside are fantastic. The ink is great. Um, I think he captured, you know, what a hard character to capture. But I think Bib Fortuna is spot on here, as so are the Gamorrean guards. Um, Ryan, while we're talking about art, how's the uh, costume here? How's Vader's appearance? Is this is this meeting uh, the appropriate look of Vader? It, it looks really good, especially, you know, I, I read some of the Dark Horse Vader comics that they did. And I was usually disappointed with the way they drew, drew Vader. I didn't care for it as much. Uh, the only, I guess, complaint, I don't really want to say complaint because it's not, but the only nitpick I could have on it is uh, his armor, everything is being worn as it would be an Empire or Jedi, rather than the robes being over the shoulder armor like it is in A New Hope. Uh, this That's in both this and in the uh, regular Star Wars series. Um, I would assume that's just a design choice on that. I mean, there was never a reason why he had the robe over the shoulder armor in one movie and not in the others. So, you know, at some point between those, he has to change it. It it doesn't need to be explained, that's for sure. Uh, That would be the only thing. If this is right after Star Wars, there's a change there. It doesn't make that big a difference. Very good. Very good. Uh, You see Vader in Jabba's palace. It is packed full of bounty hunters. And I believe if I was taking count, we get Dengar. We have Boba, we have Forlom, we have IG-88. The only sucker that's missing is Zuckus. And when I say Zuckus, for you old school, um, yes, at this point, because we're talking about a Martin book, I am talking about the alien. So he looks like about the only one not accounted for. So it looks like they've got the whole lineup. Jabba's got on the payroll everyone who Vader will later call into assistance in Empire. And please, if you guys have seen Zuckus in here, but uh, let me know. As someone that runs the website from Forlom <laughs> to Zuckus, I'm always pretty curious about when they show up. So this is also Forlom doing double duty, right? Because we saw him previously, at least a droid that looks just like him at um, in Star Wars number one, correct? Uh, that was yeah. just the stock bounty hunter droid. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe there's more than one. There's more than one IG-88. At least there was in the Legends canon. We'll find out Let's not get into that. (laughs) It's a horrible story. Um, So Vader puts on and puts an arrogant Jabba in his place. Uh, Doesn't like being called a Jedi. I don't know if I've seen that before from Vader being really angry at the fact that someone refers to him as a Jedi and not a Sith. He's okay 
acknowledging himself as a Force user, but definitely didn't like being called a Jedi. And at that point, uh, Vader puts the stranglehold on Jabba. His guards attack. He makes short work of them. And then they kiss and make up. I don't remember that part. It says right here. I was just looking at it. Um, Vader's saying, uh, that is not the question, Hut. The question is, are you? And they're talking about if they're brave or foolish. And then Vader kind of laughs it off and it says, oh, Jedi, always making everything so difficult. And at that point, Vader ignites his saber and then all his guards behind him shoot. And he reflects all their blaster fire into him, slices half of them in half. And then Jabba, pretty scared now because he's got a laser bolt that just blew up his hookah, said, Lord Vader, let us not be so hasty. And he goes, you called me a Jedi. You know nothing. Mind tricks are not of the dark side. And then he chokes him out. We prefer the Force. Do you understand? So, yes, he's very sensitive about being called a Jedi at this point. The art in this book, like, again, like I said, I think it's beautiful. The flashbacks that are used in this uh, story are the events of the previous book we were just talking about. They were flashbacks to the events of Star Wars number one and two. But they also <laughs> are flashbacks to the end of that story arc as it shows the Falcon taking off from Psy Moon 1. So I'm curious as to why they did, they did two issues in a row in February when we technically haven't seen the end of the story yet in Star Wars number three. Whereas in Darth Vader number one, they're already telling us they escape. Yeah, I kind of thought about that, too. Yeah. You know, the, the core here had a meltdown. The factory blew up. I mean, we already know the events of Star Wars number three. So kind of interesting about whether what 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 move Marvel's taking. And because normally they balance their comics pretty well because I'm a longtime Avengers and X-Men readers. And normally you can ping pong back from the books in that same month. And they don't really usually spoil what's to come in the month ahead. So. Interesting take, but man, just puts Cassidy to shame because I love the art in the flashbacks more than I love the work in the actual Star Wars uh, books that Cassidy's doing. I'm just apparently I'm a LaRocca fan because he's doing a fantastic job. Now, Palpatine at this point, uh, they flash forward to, or no, flash back one day in the Vader storyline to Vader talking with uh, Palpatine, who is just letting Vader have it about the destruction of the Death Star. Um, do you think, Ryan, is this meant to be the first time Vader has failed the Emperor? Or is the Emperor just really upset because of his precious Death Star? I, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I'm sure we'll get some new books or something that'll tell us. What more happened between uh, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope? Um, it's hard to say. I, I know in other books and other stuff has shown us that Vader may have failed here and there. However, if he's been hunting down and killing the Jedi, it's probably been his primary thing for 19 years, I guess. So uh, probably not much failure going on there uh, unless he fought Kanan and Kanan got, got out of that. But we'll find out that in Season 2 of Rebels, right? I think the other thing here is it could be that the Emperor doesn't like his uh, 
his uh, his lieutenant uh, maybe getting a little too confident, and so hey, you know, he didn't quite make things happen the way the emperor wanted. Let's uh, use this as a reason to to put him down a little bit and make him, you know, bring down his ego a little bit, perhaps. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah, the uh, the emperor definitely is not a happy camper in this book. He's looking to make an uh, example of Vader, and uh, in doing so, he places uh, Tage. Is that right? Am I pronouncing that right? It sounds wrong tag. in my head right now. Tag. Tag. No, thank you. Tag. Thank you. Yeah. That's how I normally does. I don't know why I said Tage. Um, defeats. Um, he defeats Vader in regards to his leadership and makes uh, tag number two. <laughs> now, were you surprised that he survived the Death Star, Jason? I was, actually. Um, I just always figured everyone died except for Vader. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, you know, I think I'm fine with it. Um, I... I uh, I have a hard time accepting that the the emperor would put Tag in charge of Vader just from what the the one scene or just maybe one or yeah I think it was just one scene that he was in a new hope. I never got the feeling that he would be someone who would outrank Vader but you know that's life for Vader I guess. Well, and he's of course going to be holding a grudge to Vader because Vader wasn't <laughs> yeah. He wasn't too nice to him in the in the briefing room there. It also makes me wonder how many more of those uh, people sitting there, sat sitting there in the briefing room may have escaped the right. Death Star. Right. Maybe most of them did. <laughs> Maybe yeah. Ularin is still alive. Yeah, that would be someone that would be cool to see come back. Since it he, would. He had a brief run on the Clone Wars and then he yeah. kind of disappeared. Uh, never really explained why he completely disappeared I want... from, like the last few seasons, but... I want the story of Ularen escaping the Death Star and defecting to the Rebellion. That's what I want to see. <laughs> he becomes a uh, sympathizer to the mm-hmm. plight of the Jedi he used to work with. I could see that. Yeah. Emperor here does uh, kind of give a reason why he wants Tage, uh, Tag in charge. Uh, he talks about he was the only one that questioned uh, the Death Star being a sole weapon and he said that was a mind frame that no one else had and we need people to think like him since he was able to uh he more or less foresaw the future he did express his concern so that even though the emperor wasn't there in that room he apparently made its way to his ear as he remembered that and when he survived he put him in charge uh we also see the palpatine go visit the overseer who was in charge of the Psy Moon from Star Wars, uh, number one and number two. And he's being tortured by an EV-99 type droid. Uh, Jason, are we to believe that the Empire brings along the same torture rack uh, that they use here to use on on Bespin in Empire Strikes Back on Han Solo? Uh, Yes, we are. I think that's exactly it. Is it the rack, the exact one? Mm-hmm. It must be they just it's standard standard issue torture rack. Oh, that's too funny. I guess they you know I was surprised I was I've I've uh, read the Tarkin novel lately and I was surprised to realize that Darth Vader just takes his medi- 
meditation chamber with him wherever he goes. They got on a different ship and he just had that thing hauled onto the ship. So maybe a lot of Vader's uh, accessories are just, uh, you know, made to move. Just fold it up and take it with you. Vader's got a lot of suitcases. Yeah. Interesting. Now, in that book, does Vader suffer any defeats? Uh, Vader, yeah, yeah, kind of. Vader and Tarkin are kind of outsmarted a few times. Um, but they kind of keep it to themselves. I don't think they're, uh, I don't think the, they're not, uh, the emperor doesn't seem that upset with them. Um, I've still got, I think like one chapter left to read. So, um, you know, can't really okay. say for sure, but yeah, I'm hung up. I'm hung up on whether Vader is screwed up a bunch, a bunch in Canon. Now that we're rewriting Canon through this time, mm-hmm. is he, or is this like, or is this like a one-two punch with him losing the Death Star and then him losing the Psymoon yeah. um, face? Are these from just watching the films? I always, I was always under the impression that Tarkin failed the Emperor. That the, that that's why the Death Star blew up, and then Vader was put in charge of everything after because he was Empire Strikes Back. I, I pretty much feel like Vader's the number one guy. As opposed to Tarkin, so yes, because in A New Hope, you definitely see Tarkin barking commands at Vader, and he, you know, right. Vader release him. Yeah. So I, I would agree with you. Yeah, Tarkin definitely seemed like he had the upper hand. He outranked Vader in a sense, you know. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Uh, Ryan, any guesses on who Sidious um, is meeting with the Greedo-eyed agent? Greedo eyed. Yeah, he just had like notice? a cyborg eye there. No, take a look. He has like a skin graph of like Greedo's eyeball and skin all around his. Oh, uh, I thought that was right like a cyborg eye. eye. Oh, I see yeah. it. Yeah, okay. I was when I when I was thinking cyborg eye. I know. Um, and granted, I'm going back to Dark Plagueis here, which is not official canon anymore. But there was those advisors and those different people. Uh, that became the Emperor's advisors in Return of the Jedi, who uh, Palpatine kept around and did bidding for him, the assassins and things like that. I thought maybe that's who this guy was, but uh, now that uh, you're showing me that this is like he's got Greedo's eye on him or something, uh, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes I read through these and I just read through the things. I don't look at the pictures so much. And uh, looking back at that, oh, yeah, look at that. Okay. Interesting. Be interesting if they reveal that he uh, is from Mos Eisley. <laughs> Just picked up Greedo, carried him off, took his eye. Be interesting. Now, Jabba summons. Uh, Vader strikes a deal early on in this uh, issue. It's kind of off camera. That they, uh, he says, I need a personal matter. And at the end of the book, we kind of see where that personal matter uh, comes to. And Vader is obsessed with finding the Jedi pilot who was featured, of course, in Star Wars that he just had a confrontation with who blew up his Simon factory. So he wants uh, this uh, guy alive and he wants him hunted down. And Jabba goes and turns to the none other than Boba Fett, hires Boba Fett to help out Vader. And uh, Boba brings on a Wookiee partner with him, which is awkward 
Do you think that Wookiee, who I believe his name is Black uh, Chrysanthemum, is the name referenced here? Do you think he knows that Boba is wearing Wookiee braids, and does that bother him at all? <laughs> I actually think those are Jedi braids. I was going to say, wasn't, wasn't there some continuity change where they said those are Padawan braids now and not Wookiee scalps? I don't know yeah, if it's I don't, I don't know if it's official canon, but I think um, I've always. I haven't always thought before uh, the prequels. I like they were Wookiee braids before the prequels. Yeah. But uh, since the prequels, I always was under the impression those were Padawan braids because uh, uh, Boba Fett was not so happy with the Jedi cutting his father's head off. Ah, okay. So I can't say I've heard that before. Here's something else I just noticed in looking at Fett in the in the comic. Uh, when we see him earlier in the comic, when he's behind Vader at Jabba's palace. And when we see him later with uh, with the Wookiee guy, uh, I noticed he's slightly different. Fett has a different belt on between those two pictures. It's like he changed belts in a couple of days there mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just happened to notice that. I, I don't know why I noticed it. but a little continuity there with no. uh, LaRocca. Well, I mean, it's, it's similar. Like, we have two different uh, belts on Fett between Empire and Jedi. Sure. Um and that's those are the differences right there. So, yeah. Interesting. He did an official costume. Yeah, sure enough, he has like his ammo belt on early on. They do look like two different completely. Uh, let me check. Let me check here at the front here. I don't think anyone helped him on pencils on this issue because it does look slightly different at the end yeah, there. The, the, the model look does look a little different. Uh, the T visor on Fett's a little uh, skinnier in the earlier one. Uh, it's just. Just Salvador, so, you know, who knows? He may have had to rush or add a panel in at the last moment. Artistic license. Uh, you bet. Different day. Maybe he has more than one helmet. Who knows? It might not maybe, even be Boba Fett under there. Who knows maybe, what a spin-off Maybe the off Fett earlier is Kyoto cast. It's, uh... There you go. Exactly. <laughs> so here we have Boba tasked with hunting down Luke and the Wookiee tasked with finding out more about Greedo I. As uh, Vader strikes his deal with them over the smell of dead, burnt Tuscans. Jason, what do you think about that uh, little character uh, development there at the end? Nice little reveal. I don't know. I, I didn't really feel like this was something that was happening more or something he was remembering. That's the way well, I felt, it, too. I didn't feel like he actually took time out of his day to go kill more Tuscans for sport or revenge. I felt like he was more memory. I think it was more of a memory of. Uh, what had happened before and plus the emperor tells doesn't the emperor tell him you know it'll be um nostalgic for you or something like that sentimental or something to go back to tatooine so i just figured it was just his memory now that, i would normally say that now it, now if it was just that last panel i could probably get behind it but if you go back a few pages you see the smoke starting to come up as the wookie and boba head away you see kind of the edge of a Tuscan hut, and you see some flames or some uh, smoke going up. So he definitely says, and he even says, I've been delayed on this planet long enough, mm-hmm. and my present business is concluded. Mm-hmm. So I, I took it as he had just recently, like, you know, they showed up when he just yeah. finished his business. What what you're seeing is smoke. I'm just seeing is dust on the planet. I guess I just don't see it. Okay. I just don't see it. That'd be that's an interesting that's interesting. I wonder if uh, Salvador I think might be at Emerald City. That might be something interesting to corner him about. 
Yeah. If we can track that answer down. Now, Vader is completely bitter at this point because we see him getting angry early on about being called a Jedi, and here he's still holding that flame of hate for the Tuscans because of his mom. Um, so we assume that's just, you know, what what's feeding him. You know, he's just holding on to all this pain and anger for this whole time. And that then here brings uh, to an end the first issue of the month. Uh, it was a 48-page issue, so it was pretty epic. It's about, you know, it's about 16 pages longer than normal. Issue and a half, if you will. Jason, Darth Vader number one, what's your Death Star rating? I give it three Death Stars. Very cool. Very cool. Ryan? Uh, I'll give it three Death Stars and one Executor. <laughs> Does this Executor crash into the Death Star or just... Not while Vader's on it. <laughs> okay. I, too, will go ahead and give it three Death Stars. I enjoyed it. I don't think it was as powerful as Star Wars number one, but I did enjoy it. I thought the art was beautiful. I uh, enjoyed the storyline, and I look forward to seeing more. But we didn't have to wait long to get more because Darth Vader number two dropped on February 25th, and it picks up um, a short time after the first issue. And in this one, which is book one, part two, has Vader spoiling an attack on an Imperial shuttle carrying supplies, the Endar that the Empire had negotiated from Jabba. So that was Jabba's official business, is to get some supplies for the Empire to start rebuilding since their, I believe, I'm assuming, since their factory on Moon went down. Now Tag is now a Grand General, and he has no problem throwing that in Vader's face, and continues his smug arrogance seen in A New Hope. Uh, Ryan, did they capture the character of uh, Tag correctly for you in this? He really seems to be fleshed out a lot more in the second book. I think they did. He seemed kind of an arrogant uh, guy. I, I mean, I was kind of surprised him of all people being put in charge of Vader because while he seemed arrogant in that in in A New Hope, he didn't seem that important. I mean, sure he's at the big round table with Tarkin and Vader and everything, but it didn't seem like he was that high up. I guess, but uh, I guess with everybody else gone that was at that table, um, maybe he is now. I, I we'll go with that. But yeah, I thought they captured it pretty well. You know, I was thinking in regards to his rank and being now head of Vader, I feel like uh, I was, uh, if you recall the newer version of Battlestar Galactica, whereas the President of the United States, uh, she ended up, uh, her actual job was the Secretary of Education. But since all 30 people above her were wiped out, that made her president. So I was thinking something along those lines. I suppose so, but he's still in charge of Vader, so that seems kind of weird. And. You know, just in what they've captured in the book where he's looking up at Vader, he seems to not be backing down. He's like, you know, kind of one of those people like, hey, I've been given power. You're under my control. You have to do what I want. Um, I, I don't think this guy has much of a clue what Vader really is here. So um, I'm looking forward to his awesome death. <laughs> yeah, he definitely – Vader definitely proves in this book that he is smarter than uh, Tag. Oh, yeah. Now – the point of this uh, opening sequence is to show that the Empire captures a rebel freighter that's being piloted by robot, um, and they go ahead and capture it, repair it, and then Vader uses it to infiltrate and trace it back to a rebel's base. And they know that, of course, 
as soon as the rebels feel like they're defeated, they're going to self-destruct it. So time is of the essence here. Um, Vader is also in this time assigned a um, watchdog, essentially, by Tag. Uh, he doesn't like Vader, and he wants a guy to look over him and go through all his information. And, of course, Vader doesn't like anyone messing around in his uh, business. So Lieutenant uh, Un Ai, I'm guessing on the pronunciation there, is uh, accompanying Vader. He ends up being a pretty big chicken. And once they get to the base, he wants to just flee, but Vader knows that he needs to uh, do a quick little mission here. And that mission, of course, is to plant some evidence showing that this lieutenant is actually a uh, leak for the Empire, which we know he's not, but Vader wants rid of him, and he's smarter than Tag, so he pulls this off with the help of a trusty little black droid now while on the base the rebels have uh some upgraded droidicas which i thought was kind of interesting we are seeing a little prequel not a lot of prequel in these books um of course we know disney's straying away from that but we are seeing a little bit of prequel come in in the form of uh missile launching droidicas now vader makes short work of them essentially uh plants the evidence defeats the rebels rebels do make a shout out or not a shout out they drop a name in passing and the name was afra and i believe she is a person that's going to become more significant in this comic later on but right now we know that she's tied to the rebels and that's it and then essentially vader returns with a dead lieutenant un i tells the uh, tag what's up and that's the end of the book it's a pretty short one do you have any comments about it Jason I like the scene with Vader and the droid um, it's kind of sappy I guess but it's like I think Vader's kind of remembering his relationship with R2 a little bit back uh, during the Clone Wars now, are you referring to the scene where he is watching him? He says, you've done enough, droid. You've served your purpose. And the droid jets himself out <laughs> of the ship and then yeah. self-destructs. Well, I like how he says you, one can always trust droids. I think that's definitely a reference to R2-D2. Yeah, okay. I didn't pick that up, but I would totally agree with you. I would totally um, agree with you on that. Because I don't think he means all droids like i mean he spent three or four years just fighting droids right like the sure. battle droids so i don't think he was referring to all droids i think he was referring in his own way to r2d2 and perhaps even 3po yeah his yeah creation, right yeah yeah so i did like that um i thought that was a good moment and uh it was it was good Oh, I, that that that's, that scene now means more to me too. Yeah, nice call, Ryan. Any thoughts on Vader number two? Um, the only thing is, I actually had to go through this a couple of times after I read it. The whole thing with the droid, I didn't get, and it's only because early on in the book, there's a coloring on the droid that makes it look more like it's a white droid, and it's while you're seeing the droid go across the hall to go inside uh, and plant the evidence. And it, it looks more white rather than black in those scenes, and so I thought there was two different droids. And uh, the rebels were sending a droid to try and self-destruct the ship. I got kind of confused. I had to go back and read this like two or three times and really look at it. I was like, oh, now I get it, and and got the whole thing with there. It was just, it really was that it looks like 
a white droid in some of those panels rather than a black droid, and that threw me off. You know, I'm right there with you, Ryan. I read this one night while I was going to bed, and so I was kind of sleepy, but I read through it, and I remember at the end going, I, I, I was confused. I was like, well, what's the big deal? So he was a leak. He killed him, but it seems like he's, why did Vader then kill that droid later on? And then it was on the second reading where I put the pieces together, and I went, oh, okay, I get it. He planted, and so I'm right there with you. It was a little lost at first. I think All if right. they made the coloring on that a little more blacker or something in those panels, it would have made more sense. But Yeah, or gave them a name that you referred to or something. Something, yeah. Yep. All right, Jason, what's your Death Star rating on Darth Vader number two? I'm going to give it three Death Stars again. All right. Really enjoy this. Really enjoying the Darth Vader title. Yes. Just a tad more than the Star Wars title. Understandable. Ryan, how about you? Uh, three Death Stars. Three Death Stars. Awesome. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go two and a half on this one. I felt it was a bit too short. I wanted a little bit more from it, and I was, you know, um, I like Tag in this one. But, um, yeah, I think I could have used just a little bit more, maybe a little more clear connection with that droid, like you said, maybe. Um, so, yeah, pretty high ranking for uh, high marks for Darth Vader's one and two. Awesome. Uh, we're looking forward to... Some more books, of course, uh, next month. Next month, which would be the month we're in. March, we will see Princess Leia 1 and 2, and Star Wars number 3, and Darth Vader number 3. And those will be coming up next time on the Star Wars Spinner Rack. Now, before we go, we just got two odds and ends that I wanted to mention. Um, it looks like there is a Rebels magazine, but it does not look like it's coming to uh, the U.S. anytime soon. Right now, it looks like Germany and U.K. are getting um, a Rebels magazine that includes Rebels comics. And I've seen some design work of those, and they actually look pretty good. I would say that they, their art in them look better than their, uh, the Star Wars magazine or the Clone Wars magazine that preceded this one. Um, now, I hope maybe at Celebration they'll announce that these issues will come to America because it seems like being that the uh, Titan, the company producing these uh, ma magazines, are typically – well, they're UK-based, and they typically do a few issues before they send it to America, so we have a stockpile. I don't know. Maybe it's just easier to translate with having more in the bank already. So I think in the future we might be able to see this, but I haven't heard of any word yet on that. So hopefully Rebels Magazine with some comics will be coming down the road. The other odd and end that I wanted to point out is that uh, last month uh, we saw Mad Magazine number 532, and it had – not only did it have Star Wars comic strips, if you will. I don't know what we call articles. I don't know what you call the stories or images inside Mad Magazine, but we had lots of Star Wars comic uh, content inside, but it also featured a Force Awakens parody on the cover. So – very cool, very cool for those who are into Mad Magazine, which I am only when they feature Star Wars typically because Mad Magazine's had a nice long run in connection with Star Wars, and they're always associated. They usually come out with the comic books around the same time, and of course it is published by DC Comics, so it's right there in that world. We want to thank you so much for listening to the Star Wars Spinner Act. If you have any questions or want to comment on the show, you can send us an email at galaxyatoys at gmail.com. 
Also find us on Twitter and Facebook at Galaxy of Toys. And to listen to our previous episodes of any of our shows, you can find us on iTunes, Zoom, Stitcher Smart Radio, and, of course, on Podbean at galaxyofToys.podbean.com. We hope to look forward to you next month. And remember, may the Force and the funny books be with you. Bye.